0: Uh I tell you what, it's uh started out I, I'm I, I don't think I've been this prepared for a message. I've been working on this message for quite a long time. And uh, even before we started this series, um, even before we started, uh, our pastor started the What Next series. um, And I was talking with uh, our our graphic team and, um, uh, or commonly known as Jonathan Rowe. um, And he was like, what's the title of your sermon? What, you know, what kind of theme? And I said, "It, it truly just fits into what pastor's been saying. And I think God, God gives us moments and i hope this is true for you that man you just you just kind of look and you can't just at kind of a loss for words right now and i have been for a couple of days because i look around and i see what god is doing and it's just it's it's rocking my world for, for those of you that haven't been here for a while, what you don't know about our trunk or treat is we started this six years ago. I, I begged our pastor, said, let me do it. Let me, let me just start this out. Let me, I, I have a feeling this is a, it's working for other churches. It's something. He said, yeah, and I, I talked with, I think it was Mike I mentioned. I said, do you remember six years ago we had, I think it was 12 cars, and I had to design 11 of them because people just had no clue. And it wasn't a bad thing it was just new Um, oh no I I designed uh, there was let me say this there was a lot of sports going on with the cars Um, uh, there uh, uh, but um, we saw 50 people 50 people come through our parking lot was had no light (laughs) the sensor that we had on there every like two minutes would go out and we left with what I thought people were going to be disappointed. We left with excitement. And I walked around last night, and I, I, didn't, uh, I didn't get, uh, I, didn't, I wasn't uh, kind of tied down to a, a, a table or a trunk or whatever we want to call it, but I had to walk around. And at 4.30, when I stepped out of these doors and I just looked, I'm like, come on. How can you not see God's work? How can you not see God's hand over what he's doing here? Can you sit and grasp that 200 people that call themselves a local church of new life in East Song Meadow, Massachusetts, reached 6,000 people for him? And then I didn't get any sleep last night. Uh, Just whether it was my kid kicking and punching me, I'm getting some bad feedback. Um... Whether my kids punching me in the middle of the night, or whether I was just on that kind of "thank you God, you're amazing" kind of cloud nine, I, I was like, "Oh man, tomorrow's tomorrow's a big day." I got a, a message saying that the uh, person that was gonna run music couldn't be there, uh, couldn't be here today. Her kids are sick, so we're praying for uh, for them. Um, and I was like, "Oh, uh-oh." Um, and then I I, I looked. Up at the stage today, and I thought back and I was like, man, remember a time when if I preached, I had to lead worship because I was the only one up here to lead worship. And I'm not up here saying, look at what I do, look at what I do. But man, that was some awesome worship today. Amen. And and anytime I tried to sing a word, I just looked at what God's doing. Someone's phone's up there, I think. And I look out and I'm just humbled. Like our pastor said, I'm just humbled as i look at you know you know who let our you know who let our kids worship this morning two teenagers one that's come through our kids ministry how can we not see what god is doing here how can we not get excited how can you not want more how can we and, and and we'll talk about this today. But how can we become so self-involved as Christians or as humans that we lose sight of what God is doing? I'm taken back because I look and I say, "I'm so, I'm so unworthy of what God is doing through me as an individual. He's given me to uh, uh, an amazing, beautiful wife that shares me." 1,000 prayers. I don't think I've seen my family for more than maybe 10 hours this week. And I come home, and she smiles when she sees me. My kid looks at me and makes himself burp. I don't know what that means, but <laughs> it, it, it can't be all that bad because he does it to everybody. Self-taught. I look at my little brand-new baby girl, and I'm just overwhelmed. And then I get to come down to a church that just trusts me with their, with their kids and their teens and, and the music, and uh, trust me for being me, I guess. And I'm just humbled, and I look and I say, man, how can that not be infectious? How can our lives not show and exude what Jesus wants us to be? And, and I began to study, and as I began to study, I think there are some times where pastors they they cater, they, they search sometimes to find stories in their lives that fit a sermon. And then there are times where once your sermon is done and you're talking with somebody, he just puts a humorous but serious story right in your lap and says, you don't even need to dissect this. This goes perfectly with it. What a, Man, As I, I, my mind works in a, a few different ways, probably about a hundred different ways. But as we go through our what next, one of the things when I study my Bible and when I pray and when I seek God, I say, God, what do I do that, uh, what am I doing in my life that uh, helps me avoid <laughs> the what next? What do I do in my life that separates me from the path that God has to step off that path, separate myself from it and try and create my own path? What do I do that helps me avoid it? And man, theres uh, I, I want you to know that our pastor is going to miss his game today uh, because I've got a 15 point out. I'm just joking, I don't. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but as, I, as I really dug into this and, and really put um, thought and prayer, I mean, this is four or five months um, of, of just... Praying and seeking and digging in and and being given the opportunity to uh, uh, allow God to develop through me, um, He's given me some some pretty fun stuff and and I I hope it challenges you today. Uh, we're gonna dig into our text, which is Proverbs three one through six, um, and then I have a perfect story that that goes with this. And let me tell you the uh, I'll tell you this before we dig into scripture. The story uh, I was reminded of uh, this past week uh, was me and Dom, but. Um, <laughs> I went up to him and was like, oh, I'm using that for my sermon. And I came up to him today and said, Hey, I just kind of assumed I could use this story. Is it okay to, to I'm using it anyway, but um, is it okay? Do I have your do I have your permission? And he was like, Yeah, why not? As we dig into Proverbs 3, 1 through 6, uh, I, I want us to uh focus on what we do in our everyday life that that we avoid. The what next? It's easy to say, oh, what next? It's easy to say, man. 6,000 people, now that we're done, you know, being nervous, and I'll, I'll filter my words there, um, being, being kind of in awe of what God's doing, what next? What next for our Easter egg hunt? You know, my wheels are turning for our Easter egg hunt. Uh, what next for next year's? What are If we went from 2,500 to 6,000, are we going to go from 6,000 to 10,000? You know, I... My palms just got sweaty um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, There's a lot that goes into it, but I want us to look at Proverbs three one through six and understand it. It says, "My son, do not forget my teachings, but let your, but let your heart keep my commandments, and that's key as we talk, because your heart is on the inside, for they will bring you many days of full life and, and well-being. Never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Tie them around your neck, write them on a tablet, uh, write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will find favor and high regard with God and people. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. When, man, about 11 years ago, 12 years ago, 12 12 ish years ago, uh, I I was working at a kiosk for Verizon Wireless at the Eastfield Mall with Dom. I could confidently say that there wasn't a whole lot going on at that job. Um, we, uh, I think the best thing we could hope for is our paychecks would come in on time. And uh, we had, uh, I had an offer from uh, a then member of the church um, that had owned Texas Roadhouse in Springfield. And he said, hey, I need somebody to come in after hours clean the tables, refill the salt and pepper shakers, catch up, all that stuff, reset, and then sweep the floors. Um, Andrew, no, I'm not doing that. Um, I did my time. Um, But uh, um, the first night I did it, I came back to Dom the next day, and I was like, dude, this is a lot more than what I thought. Can you come in and help me? And I, I said, I'll split it. I'll split the cash with you. And he was like, okay. Um, but uh, I should have waited until he said okay before I offered to split the cash. Um, but, uh, but we went in, and the first night, everybody been to Texas Roadhouse in the Springfield? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So when you, yeah, I, I met some of you guys there. Um, there we go. Um, when you go into the restaurant and you walk through, what we were told was to start all the way on the other side. And what we'd do is we'd start there, work all our, work the way around, and then by the time we were uh, by the time they were closed, we could go into the bar area, sweep the bar, reset the tables. But I looked at Dom and said, "Okay, this is what we can do: wiping down the tables, filling the salt and pepper sugars, all that stupid stuff, wiping down the menus, uh, plates, and all that. Or do you want to sweep?" And he was like, oh, "I don't know." I was like, "Okay, you sweep, whatever." So I go through and I'm just, you know, chugging along, cleaning the tables, doing what I need to do. And I finished and I walk over and I kid you not, I kid you not, Dom had swept four tables, okay? And I'm like, dude, this is two and a half hours later. What is going on? And he was like, hey, bro, uh, I don't know how to tell you this, but I can't sweep. And I was like, well, stinking obvious. (laughs) And I was like, well, what's the problem? He goes, dude, I can't grip a broom. And I was like, (laughs) part of me was wanting to say, I'm sorry. The other part was like, dude, you did this for two hours and didn't speak up. (laughs) This is where I want to go with this lesson. Our vision of what God wants us to do and our vision of what we do sometimes are two totally different things. And what what we do sometimes is so far off of what is best, but we miss it. And we miss opportunities. We miss the mark. I messed up. I didn't see a guy with one hand. I didn't think, plus he's short, so he couldn't reach under the long tables. Anyway, it was, it was kind of fun to see, but at the same token, it wasn't, because then I had to sweep and do the tables, and I still had to split the money with him. But, but, uh, but that was, let, let me tell you that once we got that figured out, and this is a part where, Christian, you don't need to get down on yourself, because once you figure out how God wants you to work, and and the right way, it irons out all the kinks in your life uh, to be able to start moving forward, God has something amazing in store. And from two guys that swept the floors and wiped down tables and menus and had to, I think at times, had to bust other people's tables when they didn't, that provided for us. Dom just accepted a new job 12 years after. Uh, starting in restaurants and is finally free of restaurants. Um, for some people, it's a passion. Other people, it's not. Um, sorry, um, Andrew. Um, but please, please I, I love your restaurant. Please serve me. Um, but, But if you ask, once we figured it out and once we were able to flourish in that one thing, how God gave us more, was able to give us more responsibility, more blessings. We were able to go in there. And I think at one point there was about 40% of New Life at the time that worked at Texas Roadhouse. And we started seeing people from church come in and we started meeting people and talking about our faith. And they started seeing us talk. Uh, We've got a a sound tech, we've got a kids teacher, we've got a, a man that leads worship that I met at Texas Roadhouse that came to church because I literally talked to them for like three hours each. <laughs> um, but, but, but I look and I say, once you, once, you give the confidence of, uh, once you get the confidence from Jesus that you know how things are going to work out, man, you can take it and run. And he says, don't lean on your own understanding acknowledge me and I will make your pathway straight. So as we dig in what I want to do today and not in a negative way, I want to identify, I think, three core reasons that are very, are very, very core that when we look at what next, we take steps to avoid what next. We may not see that we're doing it or we may see that we're doing it. And today may be the day where God's telling you, stop it. Don't lean on yourself. You know what Satan does is Satan finds, whether it's in a group or an individual, the weakest point of your life or in a church, and he wants to attack it. There's no shame in saying, "I'm a new Christian." There's no shame saying, "I'm not developed as a believer?" Because you know what we do as a family? We want to protect you from those attacks of Satan. We want to find ways for you to grow. We want to find ways to expand your, your biblical knowledge and your, your foundation on Jesus Christ so that you too can be valuable for the kingdom of God. And when Jesus sets that foundation and you begin to grow, you can then be aware of, what he's, uh, of Satan's attacks and you can know how to properly combat it. So let's dig in. Uh, I, I'm pretty excited uh, about this. I've already talked about point one a little bit, but I've got, i, I oh man, I'm so excited about, I, I really am uh, about this message and how uh, how it can take shape. Our first point is uh, our, our perception overrides his discernment. Our perception overrides his discernment. Uh, flip over to Luke chapter eight and verse 40. If you don't have your Bibles, I think we have it on the screen, right? Yeah, okay. Anybody else, when you're flipping through the Bible, sing the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? No? Okay. (laughs) My bad. Thank you. It lets you know the books of the Bible, my man. Uh, (laughs) uh, Matthew chapter 8, and we're going to start in verse 40. Uh, Luke, I was just seeing if you were paying attention. Um, (laughs) It says, When Jesus returned to the crowd, uh, or returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Just then a man named Jairus came, he was a leader of the synagogue. He fell down at Jesus' plead, uh, feet and pleaded with him to come to his house because he had o- uh, an only daughter, uh, about 12 years old, and she was dying. While he was going, the crowds were nearly crushing him. A woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years who had spent all she had on the doctors uh, and yet st- uh, could not be healed anyway, approached from behind and touched the end of his, his robe. Instantly, her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds are hemming. You uh, and and pressing you, uh, uh, pressing against you, sort of like the parking yesterday. Um, someone did. Uh, someone did touch me. Said Jesus. I know that the power has gone out from me. Um, when the woman saw that she was discovered, she came trembling and fell down before him in the presence of all people. She declared the reason she had touched him and how she was instantly healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone came from the synagogue's leader's house. Uh, synagogue leader's house and said, your daughter is dead. Do not bother the teacher anymore. When Jesus heard it, he answered him, do not be afraid, only believe and she will be saved. After he came to the house, he let no one enter uh, with him except Peter, John, James, and the child's father and mother. Everyone was crying and mourning for her, but he said, stop crying because she is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him because they knew she was dead. So he took her up by the hand and called out, child, get up. Her spirit returned to her, and she got up at once, then gave her orders uh, that she should be given something to eat, and her parents were astounded, but instructed them to tell no one what had happened. Our perception sometimes says this, my situation in front of me is just the way it is. God's discernment says, shut your mouth, I want to show you great and mighty things which you can't even comprehend. What we saw was Jesus being summoned to, uh, to a house to heal, heal someone. Hey, my daughter's sick. I see you doing all these miracles. And, and at the moment that she died, everybody said, you know what? Don't worry about it. Don't, don't bother anymore. And Jesus said, shut up. I haven't gone to the house yet. <laughs> Seriously. Let, let's, speak, let's speak boldly about it. He said, why are you speaking for me? I didn't give you permission to do that. What... What he then did was walk in and say, hey, because they don't believe, I don't need them right now. Sometimes in our lives, God wants, man, God wants you to do this. He wants you to ignore those people that are trying to give you ungodly advice and, and just shut up and focus on him. I know I've used uh, those two words probably four times already, but I think it's so obvious and I hope it grabs your attention because sometimes what we do is we go and say, hey, I'm having problems. You know, uh, Tanya, you're you're Puerto Rican. Um, I work at Comcast. Um, I get yelled at quite a bit. And in Spanish, I hear um, a version of this El Gringo Diablo. Okay, (laughs) that means I am the white devil. Okay, no joke. I get called it probably weekly from people because they don't pay their cable bill. They don't do this. If I if I need if I pray, sorry, I just spit on you. Um, but if I pray and I say, God, I need a better way to more compassionately reach these people and get them to to not have confrontation. Would it be easy for me to go to my dad who's whiter than I am? I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm, it's not really, but um, or or would it say, hey? I need to find somebody who's ingrained in that culture to say, hey, how can I relate to them? How can I find that way? And pray and say, God, I know that on my own, I can't figure this out. On my own, it's going to take this guy all night to sweep up some peanuts off the floor. But on a real, what we have, instead of saying, oh, I'm done. After one table, he truly could have dropped the broom and said, I can't do this. But instead, what he did was say, we got to find a solution. If we're going to work as a team, we've got to find a solution. What God is saying in your life here is he's saying, don't listen to everybody. You may have a stronghold that people say, hey, I can't use. I don't know what your past is. I don't know what your history is, whether it's drugs, whether it's divorce, whether it's doubt, whether it's insecurity, whether it's a fear of just talking to people. Whatever it is, Know that those people that say, oh, you could never lead worship, or you could, never, you could never, you're not good with computers or a soundboard, you've never used a soundboard in your life, you couldn't, you, you couldn't possibly learn how to run that board. You could never open your own restaurant. You could never run your own church. You could never run a Bible study after you retire and your son takes over your church and changes the philosophy uh, uh, of ministry if we listen to our own understanding, if we listen to our own thoughts, then we miss what God has in store. We miss the miracles that he wants to show us. We miss the big actual picture. We miss his purpose. When we trust our perception on our current situation, listen, I'm of the belief of this. Not everybody's gonna like me. I'm a certain type of person. I'm a sales rep, but I, 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 I've been in, outside of a church, I, could, I love selling. Oh, it's just fun for me. I, I, I really do. I love seeing somebody come in, uh, Jonathan Rowe, saying, I'm not gonna buy anything, I'm not gonna do this, and being like, okay, we'll see. <laughs> and seeing how can I, I still can't get the home security on him yet, but we're working on it. Um, little hints here and there. Um, but, but no, I love it. There comes a certain, might I say, persona with being a sales rep. I can be a little bit more bold with people at times. There, there's an a word called arrogance that sometimes comes across that I have to pray about. <laughs> huh? Yeah. <laughs> well. Okay um, <laughs> I, I, you're right, i don't know but uh but if my perception is saying that God couldn't use that, and God couldn't shape my attitude and my personality and my heart to reach anybody, one of the most uh one of, and and to 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 make this personal i sometimes i get I, I get frustrated with myself, don't worry, if I annoy you, I guarantee you I annoy myself a lot more um but growing up, uh, and and even still, there's uh, Life Point Church in Chicopee. There's a, a family, a couple that runs the kids ministry over there, the Feldots. They're like, they're. I, I think they may even be older than my grandparents, which is hard to perceive. But um, uh, no, okay. Um, but uh, but they, uh, Nancy uh, Feldot was one of my kids' teachers growing up. This woman had all the patience in the world. They used to give clothespins out, and if you had your clothespins at the end of class. Uh, I can see my Aunt Donna smirking at this one a little bit. Then you got a snack or a prize or whatever. I, ne- let me ju- I never got snacks or prizes. I'll just say that. And most of the time, I didn't even end up in class. I was outside in the hallway. <laughs> I, you know, she had patience with me. She invested in me. One of the coolest messages I got in Facebook was last week, and I talked about it. I was just kind of blown away. Uh, I speak at Pioneer Valley, which is where Nancy Feldout works, and she said, "Hey, I've got this troubled kid in my tr- uh, in, in my class that uh, needs a mentor, and I was hoping that you you were the first person that popped into my mind, and I was hoping that you would reach." And and I mean, she goes to a church of what they're running fifteen twelve twelve hundred something like that now. She's got she's got all the guys in the world to be able to help, and she reached out to me, and I said, "Thank you so much. I just need to pray and make sure that this is what God God's blessing would be on this situation." And she goes. That's why I messaged you. It's hard for me not to get emotional about this because I I feel like such a failure at times. I feel like personally in my life, and I'm just going to be transparent that my perception of things overrides God's discernment at times, that I'm more of a, you know, gunslinger (laughs) uh, when when it comes to reacting or to speaking up. And she said, I feel like you could have an impact on this kid because you're just straightforward with him. She said, I see the way you are. And and again, I'm not saying this, Brag, this this is a... (laughs) She she asked me to mentor the kid. And she asked me to meet with him, meet with the mom. And I was just like, thank you so much. And she goes, no, thank you. Thank you for what you represent. Thank you for being that hyper kid I could kick out of class that I can now see how God is using. And she said, it's an honor. And I was just, just blown away by somebody that's been in ministry for 50 years that says, man, when you allow God's discernment to rule your life and to help you follow the, the the journey that is life, man, you will see so many amazing, awesome things. And that's what this family got to see. This family got to see this, the perception, their perception was twofold. One, the crowd was watching and, and thought it was a waste of time. And two, the little girl that was desperate for help. Sometimes God has to reach in and heal us. And when others around look at us, uh, or our life, they don't see him being, uh, being able to do anything. That's when Jesus looks at the room and clears it out for you. That's when Jesus gives you some alone time with him. Everybody need alone time with Jesus every now and again? Yeah. Because when you're dealing with God and when you walk with him, he doesn't need others to see what's going on sometimes. He needs to be, needs to be just with you. The kicker is others will always want to know what's going on. Outside that room, I can guarantee you, there were people that heard some pattering, uh, you know, pittery pattery feet running, trying to look underneath the door or trying to put their ear up against the door to see see what was going on. But sometimes he just needs to be alone. Psalm 51.10 says this, create in me a clean heart, O God, and restore a right spirit within me. We need to understand this. When, When David spoke that, uh, said, create in me a clean heart and restore right spirit, he didn't, he didn't say it to show others. He knew what needed to get done. He knew what, what he needed. When we, What we do every day with our perception is we allow God to restore what others see. The problem with that is we don't allow God to restore within us. See, the key to that whole verse, and that key to Psalm 5110 is create, and, uh, create within me a clean heart and restore a right spirit within me what we see time after time after time is a surface systematic reboot instead of a heart systematic reboot the dangerous game is because it, that we play is the change that that incurs when we don't when we don't allow our spirit to be changed when we don't fully reconcile ourselves to god there will be an obvious implosion at some point. There will be a meeting of the spirit and the flesh. The Bible says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And when you're not properly prepared, guess what fails every time? That's why Jesus had to die on a cross, because our flesh and our spirit cannot coexist. The Bible says, For I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. It's Christ that lives within me. And the life that I now live is not of me, of not of the flesh, but it's for the one who loved me and gave himself for me. Since he gave us a Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit dwells within us, then it's the inside that needs to be reconciled first, and then it will be seen on the outside. The second way is this, and this is, I, I spent probably... Two months redoing this point name or whatever you want to call it, uh, the point. Uh, and, and one of my favorite artists in the world is Stephen Curtis Chapman, probably my favorite artist ever. Greatest Christmas present ever was given to me two years ago, I think, Stephen Kershatman came to Pioneer Valley Christian Academy, did a small acoustic concert, and uh, my wife bought me tickets, and I showed up, I think, like seven hours early, um, because I was like, I just need to see this guy because I want to go front row. It was, uh, I was, I think I went into Barb's classroom and I raided her snack closet. It was great. But, uh, but I, I got front row, and there was a point where he was up there with the guitar, and he's taking requests of songs. And I raised my hand, and there's a song um, that, uh, that he sings, Heartbeat of Heaven. And um, I raised my hand one of my favorite songs. The, the minute that song made sense to me was, was about two weeks after I surrendered to full-time ministry. It was amazing. And, uh, and I asked it. Dom was there. Anytime I go to a concert with Dom, fun stuff happens for me. Um, but, uh, but he had me come on stage and sing the song with him, and I was like, oh, my God. you know, as a little fangirl. But uh, it, I didn't cry. held it together, and uh, my voice didn't crack, which is really what matters. Um, but but in, within that inner workings of the song, what we learn about is what heaven's heartbeat is. And, and the first verse of the song says, I pulled up to a soft sign, and I saw him standing there. And a cardboard sign said he was hungry. And he said, I look the other way, as if to say I would help, but I'm in such a hurry. He says, the, And the next line says, these are the moments of truth. And he says, what would love have me do? When, when I started dating Tiff, um, one of the things I always do, I, I, I tell you what, I know there's people against it that don't like to give money out. I don't care. If I see somebody in need, that's one of the things we always do is pull up to a window. I'll hand a guy. Anybody have change in their cup holders that have like the sticky soda? And (laughs) okay, people are laughing, so it's not, yeah, there we go. It's not just me. Um, I I don't care. You know what happens is when they get that money, they smile. They say thank you. They don't care that they may not have a place to wash that change. They care that you're helping them. And it says, I want the heartbeat of heaven because I want, you, I, I want you to be my own. Heartbeat of heaven, I want your light in me to show the kind of love that grows and grows with the heartbeat of heaven. And our second point is this. I believe we avoid the what next by missing heaven's heartbeat. Jonah chapter 4. Uh, and and ver- verse one through uh, verses 1 through 10, and for time's sake, I'm not going to read it, uh, but I'm going to go through it with you. Uh, Jonah, uh, and, and we all know the beginning of the story of Jonah. Jonah was called to go to Nineveh to turn a nation. If you don't repent and ask God for forgiveness, he's going to destroy you. He ran away from God, got swallowed by a giant fish, spit up three days later. It's really gross. Not enough bleach in the world would recover from that. Um, but then God called him again to go back to Nineveh, gave him a second chance. He went back, turned a nation to God. And guess what Jonah's reaction was? They don't deserve it. Why would you do this? Why would you do this? You did... <laughs> this, is, this is the one question that I can't, get, I can't get over, that I imagine he asked God, and I'll ask him someday when, when, I, when I'm in heaven. Why did you keep your word, God? Why did you do what you were going to say? How dare you? Jonah was miserable after God used one person to change a nation. Instead of looking at the situation and saying, God, we just saw 6,000 people come through a church of 200. Do you look at that and celebrate? Or do you say, I just stand at the front of the parking lot or the driveway... And it got cold. I couldn't get a chili cheese dog with onions and peppers on it. I didn't even get any candy. Nobody brought me water. Or did you say, "Holy cow, God, thank you so much"? Did you walk in and say, "Oh, candy corn's a disgusting piece of candy, and I would have made it a display, but you know, it, uh, yeah, it, uh, yeah, it's a gross piece of candy"? I don't know. But but or do what we do is when God is in the middle of doing something great, we nitpick. We look and say, I don't, like the way, I don't like the way that person came in or I don't like the way that person looks or I don't like that person's idea or that person won't do it exactly as I said so I'm going to complain rather than look and say, what is God doing through you? Jonah had the opportunity to look and say, not one opportunity, two, to look and say, wow, God, holy cow, you want to use me? You don't even want to put a team behind me? to change a nation, wow, and then you kept your word? <laughs> God, thank you for showing me that you can do great and mighty things that I can't comprehend. What we do to avoid the what next and what next do you want from me, God, is we say, eh, I don't like his beard. I don't like the fact that this guy comes in and wears a hat to church. That's disrespectful. That's disrespectful. Oh, hi, Brian. Uh, you know what? People that don't have good vision and have to wear glasses really gross me out. I don't think they can be used by God because I see better than them. But, but as small and as nitpicky as we get, do you see how that builds that may not be that for you, but if you see a young person come in and they're wearing the holes in their jeans, or uh, a worship leader is wearing a baseball jersey and sometimes a hat to cover up the ever-growing bald spot um, and a weird-shaped head, <laughs> do you look at him and say, "I'm not worshiping today"? Forget that. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. No. Instead of looking and saying, "Look at what God is doing. Look how God is growing." Do you look at the version of a Bible somebody reads out of and says, you're not a real Christian? Do you look at somebody with tattoos and say, you, you're, you're sinning, apparently forever, but. Or do you look and say, man, God has given me a team to partner up with to change eternity, to look at a place that so desperately needs Jesus and say, I choose you to be here, to work together, to be unified, to have one vision and a few different lanes that everybody gets to play in. Listen, if I was to ask for volunteers for kids' ministry, I'm sure there are quite a bit of people here who would just be like, I would cut my arm off before I would raise my hand. Okay? our pastor would probably be the first. You could use the ax after he's done. (laughs) You know what? I feel so unequipped to be the pastor sometimes of student ministries because of that ministry. Out of any ministry that I've ever been tasked with, that is hands down the most intimidating ministry to to me. But one of my roommates has been working with kids for 45 years, my grandmother. We're roomies. You know who I can go to for advice and say, hey, listen, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use pretty bold language here, so prepare yourself. Hey, Nana, I suck at working with kids. Can you please work with them so I don't have... <laughs> no, can you show me how to do... Can you help me keep organized? I'm about... I have a lot of I, big ideas, I could say. I could come to the pastor and say, hey, you know, let's, let's do this, this, and this. And he's like, okay, organize it. And you know, the first two calls I make this beautiful woman right over here. Actually, I don't have to call her anymore because we live together because we're married. And then somebody that's worked for me for about 10 years, worked in my ministry for about 10 years. And then the the woman that helps put our trunk or treat together, I can say, hey, guys, listen. They're like, what's your idea? What do we need to organize? I'm like, okay. I I don't even have to ask at this point. God gives us a team to be successful. Jonah was going to be successful and able to handle all of it together and see all of that, I could never imagine. Just couldn't, doing it on my own. Don't ever want to. But he did it, and still found a way to complain. We learn, uh, what we learn can be pretty astounding. Uh, in a moment of great victory, are you willing to, to take it? My point is, in a moment of great victory, uh, uh, when we celebrate God instead of complain about, uh, uh, complain about us or others, We can spark an even bigger reaction. I knew I couldn't handle trunk or treat on my own. I knew that in order to help it grow, I needed people that, to be honest, weren't Dodger fans and wouldn't make six Dodger trunks. Um, And you know, it could be could could be more. We found somebody that's passionate about it. Crazy, crazy growth. We miss Heaven's heartbeat. To reach people, we have to, look at, we, we have to look at somebody else as well. And, and another perfect example is doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas was one that when Jesus uh, had raised from the dead and had met the disciples, uh, in John chapter, I have it, I believe I have it, it's John chapter 20, 19 through 29. If you want to look it up separately, he looked, Jesus met with the disciples in a room, filled them in the room with the Holy Spirit. Doubting Thomas missed that meeting. He didn't get to see Jesus face to face. And when he walked in, Jesus gave him an opportunity to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus gives us the presence of the Holy Spirit to feel what's going on. You ever felt, Jesus t- you ever felt a little tug on your heart or a little ball of tear while, during worship? That's God trying to tug on your heart. That's a Holy Spirit working, saying, surrender, surrender. Give a little bit more. I want to speak to you today. I have something I want to tell you. What, what Thomas said was, nah, I'm not gonna trust that. I've got to see the nail prints in his hand and I've got to be able to touch his side. He was like, that isn't for me. I I I'm not I, I'm not there yet. That's what we do. If you miss trunk or treat, you'd be like, uh, 6,000 people. That is what it is. Or is it is what it is. <laughs> Just because you didn't see it doesn't mean you can't celebrate, Christian. Just because you didn't invite that person to church that got saved doesn't mean you can't celebrate. Just because you see that kid, I got a message, and I'm blanking on it 100%. It says a a kid sat uh, sat at home and asked Jesus into their heart this week. Completely blanking on who told me that, because that's what I do. Hoping a person be in the room, but but we weren't there, we weren't at that person's house. Can we just trust the Holy Spirit to know that it happened and be excited and celebrate with them? Says the angels in heaven rejoice, all of heaven rejoices. So, why don't we? So, why do we have to see the physical proof to believe? when faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. This last one is my favorite. I made the the point my own, but I stole, I'm using a quote from, from Stephen Furtick. We fight the battles that he intended us, or he intended to fight through us. We fight the battles he intended us or he intended to fight through us. What do I mean by that? In 1 Samuel chapter 17, we read of the story of David and Goliath, right? Pretty awesome story. Little little teenager, young guy, takes a little rock in a a sling, throws it at this like 19-foot stinking warrior, knocks him down, then picks up his sword and cuts off his head, every young ninja boy's dream. Um, that There is no feasible way. If you look up scientifically, and if, and, and if you look up um, proof-wise, uh, whatever it is, pr- try to prove that scientifically, there is no, and I mean this in its most literal sense, there is no earthly explanation for how an, a little pebble hit a, hit a man in the forehead, a mighty warrior, and knocked him down to the ground, and, and made him so incapable of moving that his head got cut off. See, sometimes what we do is we're we're, we're on the opposite end of that. Instead of trusting God, it says, David put his hand in the bag, took a stone, slung it, hit the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. Uh, I'm willing to throw the stone if anybody's willing to try and uh, we can have some experimentation, see if that can happen. (laughs) First throw, dude. If I gave you a little sling and a stone, could you hit me in the forehead first try, or would it take you a few? Take you? A, yeah, maybe. We'll see. Oh God! Right where it needed, right where it needed to hit. Perfect placement. I, I, me and Lewis are playing softball together, and I, I was. He was pitching this past week. He threw some right on the money. Perfect spin. Got the guy to pop out perfectly inside. But there were some that were called balls, maybe a little short, maybe a little long, maybe a little high, the first one he reached in and grabbed, hit him. God wants, to, there are battles in your life that God wants to fight for you. There are battles that, that God has coming your way that he just wants you to say, I don't understand, God, you're gonna have to do this for me. Stephen Furtick said, God is sitting there at times in your life saying, I want my fight back. I want my fight back. You've taken it from me. I want to show you how great and mighty I am. I want to show you how powerful I am. You shouldn't be dating that person. You shouldn't be buying that car. You shouldn't be spending so much time at your job. You shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be doing this. You're fighting the battle that I want to fight for you. Stop. Let me fight it. Dig into your Bible. Gain confidence that he that has started a good at work in you will complete it. There are some things that he will give you the power to overcome, but there are also some that he will give you the power to say, I yield my spirit and my body to you. Take this from me and fight it. The battle of Jericho. There is no earthly explanation for some people walking around a city, and without touching it, the walls come come tumbling down, as the song says. (laughs) It's a hand motion. (laughs) There's a song that says this is how I fight my battles that Michael W. Smith sings. Could you honestly, in this moment here, whether you're with us or whether you're, you're live, could you say that I fight my battles by turning it over to God or the majority of time I fight my battles by getting in my own way and then running to God when I realize I've made a mess of it? Christian, it's time to stop. Do you get the, the, do you get what happens When you cause dysfunction in your walk with God, people die and go to hell. That's the bottom line to me. I don't care if I'm ever famous. I'm not the best singer. I will never, no chairs on the voice would ever turn around for me (laughs) unless they're blind and deaf, okay? I can promise you that. But you know what? I have yielded my spirit and my life to God to say, if this is what you require of me, then I will do it. I pray that others will come and do it more loudly than I will. But, and so do you, but <laughs> but when we fight our battles our way, God is saying, do you not see what you're stopping from happening? I can do great things if you can just shut your mouth and work together. Guess what? We don't always have to get along to go along. Sometimes we can, get, we can go along without getting along. Not everybody's going to like me. Not everybody that's served in ministries that God has placed me over has enjoyed serving in ministries with me. He's nodding his head, yes, in, in agreement. <laughs> but you know what? If we can go along together for the purpose of the kingdom of God, then he will draw all men to him. Then the purpose, th- there will be no dysfunction. They will see that all things do work together, that through God, whether whether we have one person here or whether we grow to a church of 10,000, that whether we have much or little, we can do all things through Christ and that we can be content with what he's doing. Christian, I don't know where you are today. I don't know what you have going on. But I know this, that if your perception is overriding God's discernment, you're you're going to struggle every time if you miss heaven's heartbeat this means nothing it's just coming down sitting to fill time in your week before football starts or game 5 of the world series cuz baseball's still going on preach and if we fight the battles god wants to fight people will die and go to hell lives are at stake lives are at stake do you get the gravity of that do you get the gravity of your everyday life matters that every every way every person you interact with matters that every move you make matters every decision you make matters The closer we come to grips with this, the less we will avoid what next. Let's pray. God, I love you. At times of inadequacy, God, I thank you for showing us that we have value, that we are adequate, that you may not always... Call the qualified, but you will qualify the called. God, I pray in this moment, if there's a hurting heart, if there's somebody searching, they will take courage and say, God, I'm not who I need to be. I'm not anywhere close. I don't know where to start, but I know that I need to start right now. In the quietness of the moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, was there anybody here that says that's me? I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do, but I know I need to do something. If it, Aquinas, in a quietness a moment, if there's anybody here that will raise their hand, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to come over. I see that hand already. I just want to pray for you. I see that hand. I don't know what's going on. I don't know where I'm going, but I know that I need to start giving more to God now. Thank you so much. I'm praying for you guys. God, as we close it out, I pray that we won't find ways to avoid what next. We will find ways to avoid avoiding what next. That we will give everything we have to you, whether it be step by step or whether it be by the truckload. I thank you for proving yourself over and over. Love you so much. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.